Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we're glad that uh, you're with us today, and those who are joining us online, we're thankful for you, and and uh, we look forward to meeting you face to face one day soon. Um, we are continuing our study in the book of Acts, uh, but I do want to remind you, those of you, if you've never been to a chapel service, we have them uh, once a month in the chapel, which is on the back side of the property at six o'clock this evening, and I would encourage you to go to that and enjoy uh, that fellowship time. And, uh, and then also, uh, do pray for Nick, our new uh, youth pastor. He will be starting uh, uh, tomorrow, actually. And so pray for him uh, in that today is his last day uh, where he's been serving at Shandon Baptist on the other side of town. And uh, so he's saying bye to a lot of young people that he's been a part of their lives for years. In fact, Nick actually grew up in Shandon, so uh, that's his home church. So that's, you know, that can be very emotional. And, uh, but pray for him as he begins a new journey with us, and we're excited that God has brought him to us. At the end of this service today, we'll be doing communion together. Um, and, and just to let you know, we're, we're going back to our old way of doing the offering. So, uh, after the communion, uh, then the deacons will pass the baskets, uh, for the offering. And just so you'll be aware of that and not wonder what's happening with that. But, uh, Acts chapter four, if you would, uh, turn there and be prepared as we study through, we're going to be getting at verse 23 and, uh, we're, we're studying Acts to see. And what we're seeing is that Christianity did not start out of a, as an institution or a building program, but it started as a movement, and and it was a very unlikely movement. They didn't have any money. They didn't have an army. Uh, they really didn't have any qualified people <clears throat> that were in positions of influence. But what they did swept the world. And we've already seen, you know, that Jerusalem basically had about 40,000 people in the city at that time that were there, including the visitors, and 8,000 households in Jerusalem opened their hearts to Christ. So that's, I mean, households, so a lot of people. And so that was a massive movement. And then a lot of those people were from other cities and other countries, and they went back to their home places and they shared the gospel. So my, my hope at the end of this message is that you will begin to see the heart that was in those first Christians and that you will see how that can be your heart and that you would desire to have this kind of heart. And because and you, you see these, these first Christians, <clears throat> these heroes, they didn't start out that way. I mean, just think about Peter. He was timid. He was scared. He was unfaithful. I mean, when things really got tough, he ran and hid and even denied Jesus. So he wasn't hero material, but he became a hero through his experience with the gospel. And you can have that same experience as, your, as, as, as well. And in fact, many of you already have had that experience. Um, so I, I want us to begin to define what a real hero is and based on what was happening in Acts chapter four. So as 
this gospel movement swept the world, for many of us, we sit here and look and say, well, you know, it hadn't swept our community. It hadn't swept my family's uh, lives and, or it hadn't swept through my school, hadn't swept through my neighborhood. So what could happen? What could be different so that that could be true? And that's what this is all about, right? Is the spreading of the gospel. The gospel that changes people's lives. We have fallen into this idea that the message is get saved and then just be a good person. And that's not the message at all. Well, it's a lot more than that. The message is The only way you can have a relationship with holy God is through his son, Jesus Christ. And then he will dynamically change your life and also change the purpose of your life. And this is what this story is all about. We're going to really see what true heroes look like. So let's start reading in verse 23. As soon as they were freed, remember Peter and John, they healed the guy at the front gate a lame person, and then a dramatic thing was happening, and then Peter and John, they preached, and then they were arrested, and they were brought before the religious guys, and uh, now they've been set free. So as after they were set free, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priest and elders had to say. Now, these people that put them on this trial of this inquisition, they were like the, all the former high priest and members of the influential uh, priestly families. So it was really a family business and, and it was getting disrupted and they didn't like this. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So in the face of danger... Usually our reflex is to pray. I mean, when some rough things happen to you or you get a diagnosis or you have an an adverse, you know, a reversal of finances or something happens, you lose your job. You know, the first thing a lot of times we do, we we reflexively, we want to pray and that's a good thing. Um, But they did not pray that God would take all these problems away But rather, they became exhilarated about what was happening. They took total confidence in God's sovereignty. They they had total confidence in God's sovereignty that he was in control. And they trusted that. And they understood the Old Testament. And they went to the Old Testament and realized God is always in control. And look at what he's done many times before. So they became incredible people of prayer. In fact, prayerlessness, one person said, it could be the worst sin a Christian could commit is just not being a praying believer. But prayerlessness, it's really not a self-discipline problem like many of you probably think it is. I'm just not disciplined enough to pray like I should. I, I need to be more disciplined. Uh, prayerlessness is actually a sign 
that you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it indicates. It's not that you're not disciplined. It's that you're not walking in the power that God has given to you. So if you're having trouble maintaining an active prayer relationship, and by that what I mean is a daily prayer life, uh, an ongoing prayer life, not just once a day for five minutes, not just before the meals. If the only time you pray before meals, you're doing that as as a tradition more than anything else. But rather that you're talking to God constantly, you're doing what the Bible says, pray without ceasing, pray about everything. You know, when, when, you're, when you are in a prayer relationship, that's what your prayer life looks like. It's, it's like when you know you're getting, you're getting a phone call and you see whose name it is and you instantly just say, you know, Lord, let me be wise or give me wisdom, discernment. Let me help this person. Let me be sensitive to this person. Let, let me minister to this person. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a prayer life God intends for us to have. And, and so <clears throat> don't try to cure an internal problem with an external fix. That's trying to be more disciplined. You got to go to the source. And that source is, are you truly dependent on the Holy Spirit of God? You know, an active prayer life is realizing how desperate you are for the Spirit's power and how willing God is to help you. And when that happens, prayer, well, it just becomes natural. It's like breathing. You just naturally breathe. Well, you'll just naturally pray. It's who you become. Once you realize what's involved in prayer, once you realize what prayer unleashes, once you realize that you're invited to come to the throne room of grace and talk to the creator of the universe personally, one-on-one, Who wouldn't want to tap into that? So here's what they prayed. Oh, sovereign Lord. Uh, That word sovereign, that's a mouthful right there. They were acknowledging right up front who God is. Creator of heaven and earth. Creator of the sea. Creator of everything in them. Now, God wasn't sitting there going, oh, I didn't realize that. (laughs) Wow. No, I mean, God obviously knew all those things. They're just reminding themselves and telling God, we know this is true about you. And, And so they're reminding themselves of who this God really is. You're sovereign. You're creator. You're in charge. Then they said, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David. So they're actually quoting scripture back to God. Again, God didn't need that information, but they needed to be reminded of that information. And and so this is a form of worship. They're saying, you know, reading scripture to God is a form of wonderful worship. When you take the Bible and you read it to God and you worship God with that, that's that's a beautiful thing. And again, you're not telling God something he, didn't, he doesn't know, but rather you're worshiping him. <clears throat> and, and so they said, you, 
through David, you said, why are these nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? That's a good question to ask yourself. Are your plans futile? The kings of the earth prepared for battle and the rulers gathered against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. So what was happening in the Old Testament, they were saying, this is happening right now in real time for Herod Antipas and uh, Pontius Pilate, the governor and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything, now listen to this phrase. You gotta, you gotta hear this. Don't miss this. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. Wow. You mean the religious people demanding the crucifixion of Jesus? Yeah, that was God's plan. Pontius Pilate agreeing to that? Yeah, that was God's plan. In fact, if it weren't for that plan, you and I would have no salvation. This was God's plan all along. And let me just tell you something. God's will will be done. You get to choose to be a part of it or not. But his will is going to be done and nobody's going to stop it. He said, the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Now, just stop there for a second. I want you to notice something. What they didn't pray for. Oh, God, protect us. Oh, oh God, get rid of these bad people. Oh, God, don't let us get hurt. No, they said, make us bolder. Wow. They said, hey, we have obviously shook the hornet's nest. Let's go shake it again. Because <laughs> God, you're sovereign. You've preordained this. You, your will's going to be done, and we want to be a part of it. We don't want to miss out. You see, God has written all history according to his eternal plan. The crucifixion of Jesus was no exception. History, now listen to this. History has already been written. Future history has already been hit, written. The last history book of the universe is already written. It's called the book of Revelation. And it's a done deal. And nothing's going to change it. And God's going to bring it about. It's done. Now, you have the privilege, you and I have the privilege of saying, God, I want in on the action. 
I want to be a part of your history. You see, there's just something that we have slipped into in our American culture that, okay, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, now I just need to be a good person and have a fun life and do all the things I want to do. I've got my to-do list, i got my bucket list, i got my checklist, and, and uh, God, your job is to bless it. Really? Now, I, let me tell you what lordship is all about. Lordship is when you come to God the Father and you bring your to-do list and you bring your bucket list and you bring all your wants and you bring your agenda and you bring what you want to do with your life and you lay it at his feet and you say, none of this matters. I want the history that you have already written for my life. That's what I want. Now, when you get to that place, that's when God's going to show up and do some things. When you trust, I mean, you trust God with your eternal soul. Why can we not trust him with our daily lives? Something about that just doesn't compute. We go to God and we say, I'm trusting you with my eternal soul, but I'm not sure you can handle my daily stuff, so I've got it. And if I need you, I'll call you. That's not how it works. Just like God's already written the history of the universe in the book of Revelation, he's already written your history as well. Do you even care what that history is? So they didn't pray for traveling mercies and safeties. They didn't pray that God would elect new officials. They prayed that they would speak with boldness. Isn't boldness what got them into that mess to begin with? They prayed for more boldness. So what do you do? How do you pray in your pain? Typically, we pray for deliverance from the pain. But I, I want to tell you something. Maybe you need to change how you pray when tough things happen to you. When some unexpected event, when an illness, a death, a, a, a job loss, a financial reversal, when something you have no control over happens, what if you began praying, Lord, I don't want to waste this situation. Let your glory show up. Let me be a positive witness for you. Let me be bold in my declaration of my trust in you. Let me be bold in my declaring Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Let me be bold in my words and action. I want to tell you, when you say those kind of things and, and you speak boldly during those kind of events, wow, I'm gonna, you've got an audience that's going to listen. I mean, they're going to, you would be the kind of person, there's some people I've gone to the hospital to visit who were very, very sick, and some of them knew they probably weren't going to make it back home, and I left being ministered to, when I'm the one that was to go and minister to them, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. I'd go, I'd, I'd come back home, I'd go back to the office, and I'd say, wow, they ministered to me because of their boldness and their faith and their courage in face of a disaster. 
And when things are great and you give God the glory and credit, yeah, well, good. But how much more powerful is it when things are bad and you give God all the glory even in that? Before these disciples asked for a positive outcome around them, they prayed for a faithful spirit within them. Lord, in this situation that I'm in, I pray that I'll be a faithful witness of you. Let your power show up and impact other people's lives. The scripture goes on to say in their prayer, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, wonders and uh, signs and wonders, let me just clarify that. Wonders is the amazement people experience when witnessing supernatural miracles. That's That's a wonderment. Signs... Well, that points to the power of God behind the miracles. So it's a sign post. A miracle is a sign post to God. And wonderment is our amazement about holy God. And and so that's what signs and wonders mean. Marvels have no power, have no value unless they point to God and his truth. So these heroes, because they prayed this way, this way, the gospel went forward. In fact, let me, let me say this to you. Had this group of 8,000 plus people have decided, you know, this gospel costs too much. I think we just need to tone it down and we just need to take care of ourselves and just enjoy our fellowship. The gospel of Jesus would have died in one generation. The church would have died within one generation. And you would have never heard about Jesus. But because of their boldness, it has gone from one generation to the next. And now our job is to preach it to the next generation. I don't want to be the generation that the light goes out on. I want to be the generation that the light gets brighter and brighter and passes on to the next generation. Now, maybe you want to be bolder and maybe you want to have more courage. So how do you get a fearless heart? How do you develop more courage and to be bolder? Well, there's one strategy, which I don't recommend, is they call it visualization. You just got to see it in your mind. You just got to see uh, you being victorious. You, you got to see yourself void of fear and you, and you got to see yourself relaxed and you got to visualize your behavior uh, of your, and that you're successful and you've got to see yourself successful and you got to visualize that and you got to enjoy the feeling of mastery over your feelings. And uh, well, here's the problem with that. Even if you visualize good things happening, bad things still happen, right? No matter how much you visualize it. So you're basically kind of denying that. 
So in a sense, if you use this strategy, you become courageous while being delusional. Right? So let me give you a better strategy. One, believe that God is sovereign, period. And he is sovereign in your trials, and he is sovereign in your struggles, and he is sovereign in your illnesses and your rough times and your challenges, that he is sovereign. They believe that. Two, no scripture. They, being unlearned people, they knew scripture, and they were quoting the Old Testament to God. Peter, uh, I mean, Peyton Manning, a great quarterback, he was known to spend more time in the film room. That's where they review plays of the other team. That's where they review their own plays. He spent more time in the film room than any other quarterback in the NFL. And consequently, as a result of that, in the moment of the battle on the playing field, if things did not go as planned, he instinctively knew what to do. He had seen all the variables, all the options, and all the film plays. And so when things didn't go as planned, he knew exactly how to adjust. And that's why he was so successful. Well, the more time you spend in Scripture, when life cuts you, you bleed God's word. And you know what to do. The third thing about these heroes, they were in awe of the greatest hero of all, and that was Jesus himself. Let's continue reading in Acts 4. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they already had the Holy Spirit. What's this all about? Well, you see, there's baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then there's fillings of the Holy Spirit. When you pray to receive Christ, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. You received the Holy Spirit. It's like the day I got married, I received my wife, and she received her husband. And we don't get up every day and say, hey, uh, let's get married again. Let me say our vows again. But what I do now, though, is, you know, I remind her how much I love her. And I do loving things for her. And she reminds me how much she loves me. And, and, and so we were, we were married once, but then we're filled with that marriage constantly. So you receive the Holy Spirit once but you're filled with the Holy Spirit constantly. It's kind of like you want the water in your shower to keep flowing and you take a bath and, and then you drain it and you fill it up again. I mean, you just want to constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit and then he is draining out of your life or better yet, flowing through your life to influence other people, to impact other people. Not that you lose him and you have less of him, but you just need that constant filling of him as a reminder of who he is and who you are in relationship to him. And said so all the believers were united in heart and mind. I mean, they preached the word with boldness. 
and they were united in their mission. In fact, it says they felt like what they owned was not theirs. Well, there's a good reason. It wasn't. It was God's. I mean, everything that you have, you're just a temporary steward of it. I mean, what do you got that's going to go to heaven with you? Nothing except your soul. Everything you have, you are a temporary steward of those things. And those who don't understand that, you don't own something, it owns you. The Bible says there was no needy person among them because they took care of each other. They shared what they had. So the fourth thing about these Christians, they possessed a generous spirit. Whatever they had, they knew it belonged to God, and so they would, through the Holy Spirit, use it as a blessing to other people. And lastly, they were filled repeatedly by the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever God showed up on the earth, the earth seemed to crumble under his weight, and there was an earthquake, and it was terrifying. Earthquakes and lightning seemed to be synonymous with God showing up. But this time, when God came down upon those believers, it was not terrifying, but rather empowering. You see, when Jesus died, there was an earthquake, a physical earthquake. When Jesus rose from the dead, there was another earthquake. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of graves opened up and other people rose from the grave and went to preach Jesus. Did you know that? You remember that? So God took the earthquake of judgment and made it into an earthquake of power. And so the room shook where the disciples were and the power came. So now when we shake, it's not with fear, but with boldness. And we worship. The more we're shaken by the Holy Spirit, the less we are shaken by the power of our enemies. So my question to you is when was the last time you asked for a fresh filling of God's spirit. I mean, Peter and John, they saw the resurrected Jesus. They talked to him. They spent time with him. They saw him ascend up to heaven. They saw him die on the cross. And yet they needed frequent fillings of the spirit. I kind of got a feeling you and I even more so. So when's the last time you asked God to fill you fresh with his Holy Spirit? I've got my salvation. Great. But do you have the freshness of the Holy Spirit in your life every day? The disciples, they had their salvation, but they desperately needed the filling of God's Spirit so I'm sure you're not fine without it. So as we prepare for communion, are you willing to pray a prayer like this? 
Lord, I want to be a hero for the gospel. I want to bring all of my agendas and my plans and I want to give them to you. And I, I want to fulfill the history you have already written for my life. That's what I want to do. Even not knowing what it is, I commit to that. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit. And so when you take communion, that's an appropriate time to ask such a prayer because you're being reminded of the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was given for you. You were reminded of all that. And those of you who are watching online, maybe you can prepare for communion even now. Take some bread, take some crackers, any kind of juice. And prepare yourself. But when you come, and we have these six stations, and a deacon will be at each station, and he'll serve you. And when you come, you take the bread, and you take the juice, and then you, you come by yourself or come with your spouse or a friend and step aside, and you just pray this prayer. Lord, I want to be a hero for the gospel. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to live the history You've already written for my life. I want that. And God will shake you to your core in a great way. So let's pray as we prepare.